Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. We're now going to have our Bible reading. It's from John chapter 10 and verses 1 to 10. So if you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 10. So the heading for these verses is the Good Shepherd and His Sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Brilliant. So, yes, so Michael gave me so much reading that uh, my one sermon ended up becoming two. So you got me for two weeks. So today's sermon is on part one of two, John 10, 1 to 10. Now, there's no better picture, is there, in the Bible of Jesus as the good shepherd. The picture of the shepherd is woven into the language and imagery all the way through the Bible. We love the idea of the good shepherd gambling about in the fields, looking after his sheep. It could not be otherwise. And we may even get a bit of nostalgia, lots of lovely tunes to go with The Lord is My Shepherd, from the Vicar of Dibley to the wonderful hymn we sung today. Lovely tunes, green pastures, shepherd gambling about in the fields. Well, today, I'm going to utterly ruin our nostalgia for that song. We may like the sound of it, but the truth of it may be a bit more challenging. And this is a two-part sermon. So this week... We're going to be looking at what the shepherd what the shepherd is like, why we shouldn't look to anyone but the shepherd, and what does this mean for us. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And then, as I said, this is a two-part series because of all the reading Michael made me do, and I realized that it had to be the shepherd and then the sheep. So next week, we're going to look at how do we have life to the full, and what on earth does that have to do with being a sheep? So that's a hint for next week. Now, we are not talking about green and lustrous Abergavenny here. This, we are living in a place, if you're online or visiting, we have beautiful hills, green mountains nearby. This is Judea a big plateau stretching from Bethel to Hebron, varying from about 14 to 17 miles across, with either side of the plateau dipping down sharply to craggy, rocky deserts. 
This ground was not all green and wonderful. Think rough and stony. If we've heard of the parable of the sower with seeds falling on stony ground, everyone at the time would have got it. Rough and stony ground. This is not a place of lovely lawns. And in this place, loads of things were wild. There were wild horses, wild wolves, wild cats, wild dogs, but no wild sheep. Why on earth not? Because sheep are too dim-witted to survive on their own. More on that next week. So what is this shepherd like? The life of a shepherd is hard. He was never off duty. No flock grazed without a shepherd as there were no fields, boundaries or any walls to protect them as we have now. And because of this plateau with those craggy deserts all around, your sheep could get lost, stray away or killed by multiple wild animals, especially wolves. And this is a place of thieves and robbers ready to steal your sheep. Taxes from the Romans were sky high. There was no welfare state, no social support. No. This is a tough time. Is the shepherd all lovely and gentle? Let's take a look at him and how he acts. You would know a shepherd by looking at him. He would have a scrip. This was a bag for carrying his food made of animal skin. And he had a sling. Now, this is no childish game. In Judges, there's a verse that soldiers who had a sling could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. If a sheep wandered off, he could send a warning shot. This was a weapon of defense and offense, but also for protection. Warding away thieves, warding away robbers, but also if a sheep was heading off their own way, he could send that stone right in front of them, stopping them up short, making them turn back as they were about to go off and do something stupid. Perhaps this is a warning to sheep. Stop them up short if needed and stop us going off and doing something stupid. Again, Hold on to that idea. We might look more at that next week. Now, in Palestine, the shepherd went in front and the sheep followed. A strange idea, I know. They would know the shepherd's voice and follow him. Just a quick question. Do we know the voice of Jesus? Can we recognize the voice of Jesus? through our Bible reading, through our worship songs, through our prayer time? Are we listening to the voice of Jesus through those words, through our prayer time, listening to Jesus' voice in us? The shepherd would go first, check that a path was safe, and then call the sheep. Now, I don't know about you, if you've got any pets, We have chickens. Now, our chickens are absolutely tame. And when they hear Mike's voice, they know they're going to get treats. 
So the moment Michael goes out of the conservatory, they run up and down the fence, getting as close to the fence as they possibly can to show Master they are ready for treats, they are ready for snacks. They are absolutely in tune with his voice. It may well just be for the snacks. They know the sound of his voice, just like those sheep. And the sheep would listen for the shepherd, knowing likewise that he's going to lead them to where there's food. And there is a slight sideline point to be made here. What what do we learn about when the sheep don't want to come? If they need encouraging. The shepherd calls, the sheep don't want to come. It's too rocky, it's too difficult. It says in Isaiah that he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and lead the mother sheep. So if they won't come, he will carry a young one. He would carry a lamb, knowing that the mother sheep and all of the other sheep will follow. Carry the children and the flock will come. Isn't that an amazing image of a church? When we carry our children up front, the flock will follow. When we carry the weak ones, the whole flock will follow. And this shepherd also had a staff, essentially a wooden club. Now, actually, in, the, in this time, they would be often be studded with nails. So it would have a crook, and they'd be studded with nails. It would hang off his belt so he could actually fight off animals or robbers with it. We're definitely leaving that idea of a kind of gentle, mild-mannered, lovely she- shepherd, aren't we, gambling around in the fields? And this staff, which was like a shepherd's crook, could pull back any sheep who was going in the wrong direction. Now, I think a lot of you know this, but I grew up in a really rural village just beyond Skenfrith. And in the summer, we would go around the corner to a farm and watch uh, sheep being dipped to, shop, to stop them from getting fly strike. Sheep can get all manner of kind of insects and diseases in their wool. And so in the summer, the farmer would fill a long rectangular hole in the ground with water and horrible smelling medicine. And they would herd the sheep into one end. And then the sheep would walk lower and lower into the dip. And then for a few strokes, they would swim in this liquid. And then they would come up the ramp out of the far side, through the dip, up the other side. And for just a patch in the middle of the dip, they would be swimming. And when they were swimming across, I would watch the sheep use his crook to lift their heads up if they needed help. And I remember this image so vividly, and when I was reading for this sermon, that came back to me again. These sheep going through this out-of-depth water, swimming, nervous. A shepherd would lift up their head with his crook. And I imagine that staff was a comfort to those sheep. In that moment, as they swam through the dip, knowing the farmer would hold them up. It's only the shepherd who could hold up the sheep. Other sheep cannot help. 
And if we've ever felt like we were drowning, who do we look to for help? Do we look to other sheep who are also in the dip or up at the person who is holding us up? How often have we been in deep waters and looked back and realized that it was God holding us up through that time? But there is one thing that is nothing like rural Herefordshire. In Israel, the shepherd would sleep with the sheep. I know, yes, you have heard that right. In Palestine, the staff was something that was hold, would hook the sheep back to safety if they were going off on their own way, but it was also for their protection. Now, at night, when it would get cold and dark, the shepherd would lie down with the sheep. Imagine the scene. Gathering the sheep together at the end of the day, rocky ground, and three sides of a fence or possibly a wall to shelter them. No B&B, no lodge, no nice lock and key, no shed, no barn. No. This is why Jesus said, I am the door. The shepherd would lie down as the door. And no sheep could get in or out of this safe place except over his body. So when Jesus talks about, I am the shepherd, over his body, that is courage. Literally barring the way from wolves, robbers, who knows else, wanting those sheep. How many of us serve like that? It's a massive challenge, isn't it? Lying down with smelly sheep and protecting them with our lives. There's only one way, only one door, Jesus. In Ezekiel and Judges, it says that shepherds would use a staff to check each sheep as they came in. Their comings in and their goings out. So if we ever read a Bible verse about comings in and goings out, this is what this means. He would keep an eye on everyone. As they came in on the evening, he would have the staff use the hook to keep them still and give them a check over to see they hadn't received any injuries during the day. He would make sure that each one was safe. We have to go to Jesus to get to the Father. A shepherd checks on his flock. Jesus wants us to come to him every day to be checked for injuries. Do we come to Jesus every day to get looked over and let ourselves come in? It's more than this as well. This door, this protection, this shepherd means that in a world full of danger, and full of hardship and stony ground, these sheep are absolutely safe and secure. Going to sleep without fear. A country occupied by Romans, immeasurably high taxes, incredibly tough. But these sheep could be safe. Perhaps we need a fresh revelation of the safety of faith in Jesus. 
Deuteronomy 26, 28 and verse 6 says, you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Psalm 121, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. We live in a world that taxes us, that is full of stony ground, where we are broken and in danger. There are robbers and thieves. It is hard. Are we coming in? Are we going out? Are we resting in that safety? Are we allowing ourselves to come and to go? And once anyone discovers through Jesus Christ what God is like, that new sense of safety and security can enter our lives. If life is to be known in the hands of a God like that, our worries, our fears can be gone. God knows our comings, our goings. He checks on each one of us. He knows us. He knows where we are. He knows us by name. In the UK, we breed sheep for meat. We breed lambs. Maybe we have them for a year, not even that. But in Palestine, you would breed sheep for their wool. They might well be with their shepherd for years. And in some of the commentaries I looked at, if you took a lamb to sacrifice, this was a huge cost. A lamb was not the meat that it valued. It was a huge cost because that lamb would grow into a sheep and that sheep would give wool year after year. And that shepherd might well have a sheep for 10 years. He would know his sheep. A relationship with God is not just a short-term thing, not like a lamb. For years and years, a shepherd would get to know his sheep. So the shepherd would know his sheep intimately. This shepherd would have heard wolves howl at night. He is sleepless. He's far-sighted. He's weather-beaten. He's armed. He's leaning on a staff that's ready at a moment's notice. He's looking out for scattered sheep. He's constantly vigilant, fearless in courage, and dangerous if crossed, but patient in love for his flock. And in the Bible, the shepherd is an image used for a king, for real leadership. In our world, in the modern world, being a leader We tend to think of running a company, being president of a board, running the show in some important role where we are very distant from the people who work in the organization. But the biblical idea of leadership is intimate, a contract of trust, service, protection, and security. That's what a true leader is. And perhaps we could start to think about God and see him as the good shepherd. Jesus in this passage is speaking against false prophets 
who were claiming that they could kick out the Romans through violent means and establish a new way. He's speaking out against a kind of leader who suggests you should lead with war or violence or anger or power or arrogance. There were so many people of his time who claimed that confrontation was the way to go. Still the same now. And this is, in this passage, very clearly saying this is not what makes a leader. What makes a leader is lying down with the flock to keep them safe. Jesus makes it really clear that only someone coming by this way can lead. A real king is a leader who knows, who every single sheep knows his voice. Not distant, but connected. And he wants us to listen, us to hear his voice. The greatest provider is a servant. So what can we learn from this? Jesus is the good shepherd. We need to learn to put him where he should be leading our lives. We need to trust him and listen to his voice. Know that he loves us sacrificially and we can trust him. He is able to help you. He has the strength, the knowledge, the protection of you absolutely at the heart of what he is about, not short term, for the long term. The shepherd knows his sheep by name, not just able, but he knows exactly what you need by name. Who isn't our shepherd? The sheep. Another important point is we have a world that tells us that there can be all kinds of people we can look to. We are in a world that tells us get a best friend, get a partner. Get a great boss. Have a child. Finally, I've got a person who can take care of me. This is the person who will meet all my needs. This is the person at last I can relax. They will take care of me. They can't. They can't. Some of us are even really upset because our parents were supposed to take care of us and get it perfect and be our good shepherds. We thought they were the people who would take care of all our problems. Give to us, be there for us, be perfect. But that's impossible. They can't do it. They aren't perfect. And they may well let us down. A partner, a parent, a best friend, a boss, a child. Perhaps we've even worked for someone, voted for someone thinking, yes, this is the person who's going to take care of everything. This is the one who can sort it out, perhaps even a pastor, although I doubt anyone thinks that Michael could sort everything out. Do we have the wrong shepherd? Your shepherd is not your boss or a best friend or a parent or a spouse, not a child. None of them can be. None of them can do all that. They cannot be all to us. You will always be unhappy searching for someone who's perfect. Don't look to other sheep to help you. They are just as lost as you. Your soul is so great 
Your needs are so deep. I'm going to say that a bit again. I think this is something we all know. My soul is so great. My needs are so deep that the only shepherd who could possibly, possibly restore my soul is divine, is God. What does Jesus say? It is me. I am the shepherd you've been looking for. Weather-beaten, smelly, perfect protector, dangerous if needs be, lie down in safety, leader, knows me personally, intimately, total freedom. No father, no mother, no married love, no child friend or professional accomplishment, no praise or acclaim. Nothing will fulfill you like this love. Look instead to the good shepherd. You're going to be restless until you learn his voice. Next week, we're going to look at accepting we are sheep and how that can help us have life to the full. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for our souls. My soul is so deep and my needs are so great that the only shepherd, the only shepherd who could possibly, possibly restore my soul is divine, is God. Father, I pray now that we could come back and not rely upon any, anything else other than you, our good shepherd, lying down in the doorway, giving us protection, giving us safety, complete rest. Perhaps, Father, we haven't even come back to you for so long. Perhaps we haven't come back to this safety, perhaps for months or years, perhaps just for days, and we need to come back to you again and say, God, Look at me, check me over. Lead me afresh. I need rest. I need rest. I want to rest in you again. Father, I pray right now that you would restore us afresh to come to you every day as our good shepherd. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.